Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm a feminist, but... <laughs> Hello, Reading, we are in you! And I'm a feminist, but backstage, Grace Petrie asked... Yes, that gasp. She's in the building. She's, she's not playing. She just popped in to say hi. No, I'm kidding. She is. Asked me to explain a Joey Tribbiani sex joke to her from Friends. And I did. And I felt not only a little bit sophisticated for understanding the Joey Tribbiani sex joke and being able to explain it. I felt it was a feminist act to tell a sister the full nuance of ejaculation. (laughs) (laughs) It's not right. I'm a feminist, but... uh, I'm so bad with money that my wife has to keep an eye on everything that I spend. And I'm so accident-prone, we've recently set up what we call the fuck-up fund, where (laughs) every month I just bung a little bit of money aside because I will undoubtedly smash the car, break something, just just be shit at things, leave a pair of shoes somewhere. But that's it, really. I'm just not very good at stuff. (laughs) But I am a feminist, so... (laughs) I, I think, um, I, you know, the reason I think that doesn't play into a stereotype... Go on. ...is because your partner's a woman. Yeah. So one of you is good with money. Yeah. So it's just OK, you're just being the other... In fact, you're being representation across the board. Some women are good, some women are not good with money. I'm not not good. Oh, not good with money, OK. Not with money. I'm I think sorry. morally I'm great. No. I mean, you're not... amazing at other things, Susie yeah. Ruffle. You're Thank amazing you. at other things. Thank so, you. So, yeah, I, I feel... I'm if gonna... you're shit with money, I highly recommend a wife. <laughs> I don't think it matters if you're gay or not. I think just get one. They're jolly good. I'm, I'm very yeah. fond of mine. It's true. I'm not good with money, and I, my wife's my husband. Well, have you considered getting another wife? Because I think... Listen, everyone should have a wife. <laughs> if I leave one thing with you tonight, it's that. I'm a feminist, but... 
don't know about you, but the second it gets sunny in the UK, I turn into what I think is called a manic pixie dream girl. <laughs> <laughs> like I walk around going, I wish someone would buy me ice cream. <laughs> Maybe we could talk about emotions and me? No. I'm not like the other girls. <laughs> and all I want is uh, four chords and a sad British tired man singing over them over and over for six weeks. That's all I want. <laughs> I can see you doing a rom-com like that. Could we make a little guilty feminist rom-com? Yeah, I think it should be like Emily in Paris, except like, good. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you should out the no, podcast. No, 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 I know the producers. I think you should be the Parisian in Reading. <laughs> and really we find you a, a Reading uh, man slash girl. Wouldn't it be nicer if it was a lesbian rom com? I really want it to be about me moving from Paris to Birmingham. Um, but it turns out that TV people don't want to go to Birmingham. Would you believe that? <laughs> Reading doesn't want to hear that. They want to hear it's here. We're yeah. in Reading now. Is there anyone who would star in a rom-com with Celia AB, male, female, or non-binary? We are not exclusionary here. Please cheer now if you would like to be. There you go. I think that's how you get a sitcom, actually, isn't it? <laughs> Just uh, go to random towns and ask. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but... Um... Can I just clear something up before I go any further? Um... About the Joe Tribbiani <laughs> sex joke. <laughs> the, the, the way you that, you, that you framed that when you said explaining ejaculation. I just want to say if anyone doesn't... It's, I'm a lesbian, I'm not a virgin. Like, <laughs> the more you plead, the more it makes you sound like a lie. <laughs> Me thinks the lady doth protest. Any day now! <laughs> um... Well, yeah, I'm a, I am a feminist, but um, I, today I was very hungover and I had a very difficult... Thank you very much. Yes, I know. I've done sex, I've done booze, I've done all of it. Um, <laughs> and I had a very stressful uh, hungover train journey. Uh, I have incredibly bad period pain and a really bad headache and I had to go through four separate carriages, carriages on the train before I could find one that didn't have a screaming child in it and I love my sisters, but it was fucking hard work. And then I got here, and we ordered uh, like sushi in for the for the meal before the before the uh, show. And there was this long, laborious, drawn-out thing where everyone was going, "I don't think Grace's is here. I don't think Grace's is here. I don't think Grace's." And eventually, I just had to go, "Guys, they had a McDonald's at five o'clock." <laughs> <laughs> I was really hungover. <laughs> it's true that actually did happen. And again, I don't think it's unfeminist to have a McDonald's. To pretend you didn't have it because you want to be with the healthy sushi eaters at seven is a little bit like, yeah, I'm just going to fit in with the other girls. <laughs> pretend I don't eat McDonald's. So maybe the lack of feminism comes in there. But I love that eventually you confessed, even if it was as... You, you, you confessed it like someone would confess to a murder in a Poirot. <laughs> it's like, okay, it was me! Mm. Yeah, yeah it was eventually very... it was. I killed the cow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. You're a lesbian. People expect veganism. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but... <laughs> I don't know if anyone saw me do, like, eight false starts there. I'm like, she's finished. No, she's not finished. I'm not going to... All right, here we go. No, no, that's not me either. Also, who doesn't love Grace Petrie being so hungover she forgot the word show? 
and I was eating before the, um, uh, uh, oh, what am I doing right now? Jesus Christ. Show, a show. I knew that. I knew that. Um, just like the Joey Tribbiani joke. We introduced Celia to the phrase, thumb it in. Um, there's a hush over the crowd, and I don't know if it's because you're disgusted, you don't know what I'm talking about or how it's relevant to Joey. Is, okay, shut up. We'll just move on. Um, okay, I'm a feminist, but even though I know that climate change is a feminist issue and fashion and fast fashion and pollution is creating so many problems in the world, I also realised when I got to Paddington train station that I'd forgotten all my jewellery, so I spent £50 in accessorise because I wanted to look pretty for you. <laughs> I'm wearing a lot of gold-plated, let's say that. <laughs> It's really working out for you. You shut up. Mm, absolutely. And I feel like, I'm a feminist, but I feel like it was totally worth it. I feel the people of Reading are just like Felicity Ward's brought her A game. Thank you so much. Mm. I also want to say I've just bought my first ear cuff, which is to say I came out as bisexual last year. <laughs> Guess what else I did? I bought a skateboard. Lol! <laughs> are we ready to start the show? That welcome, 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 Reading, a big round of applause for Susie Ruffle, Grace Petrie, Celia A.B. and Felicity Ward, four incredible women you're going to be seeing a lot more of tonight. Sometimes there's, there's more theme tune at the end of that bit, so I've taken to a little bit of dancing, an occasional, occasional twirl of the cape. That's right, that's right. Uh, you've come for a night out, so I've brought you a sequined cape that says Guilty Feminist on the back. Hello, Reading. Thanks so much for coming out. It's so exciting to be back in the same room with you again. Can I touch somebody? Yes, please. Excellent, thank you. Don't look at me like it's going to be a biblical healing. It's not. I mean, um, what did you say? Saved, yes, absolutely. It's not clear what from, though. Um, so, hello, Reading. We're genuinely so thrilled to be back here with you and in you. Uh, just give us a cheer if you listen to the Guilty Feminist podcast. Woo! Just give us a cheer if you don't know what you're at. Mm, notice that those cheers are less empowered. Less feminist, if you will, but worry not, it'll all become apparent. This is the Guilty Feminist Podcast, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and our hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. That was, a, that was an excited response from the front row. As it went further back, people were less impressed. I know, that's the only way I know how to say undermine them, though. I, would, I wish I could say it normally, but it's never going to happen now. Um, I am so excited to be here. A little bit, when I have this really raised stage situation, there's a little part of me that my heart sinks, because I know you, down here, have the same view I have when I accidentally open my camera phone the wrong way, and I'm like, oh my God, is that what I look like? I need you to know that I am at least 75% more attractive than you think I am. If you're people in the balcony, that's how I really look. <laughs> that raised. When I become really successful, I will own... that. No stalls will be available, only upper circle and balconies will be available. 
because I don't want anybody looking up at me like this. Um, I'm a feminist, but I would rather fewer people were in this venue sitting at more flattering angles. Sorry, someone's taking a photo there. Let me listen. I'm just, I just don't want you taking a photo of me when I'm talking like that. So, so can we just... I'll do some posed ones. And do you want a natural one so it looks like I'm in the middle? Just, yeah, but that's good. That's good. So, Reading, I'm going to ask you a question. Have you been doing any feminism since we've come to see you last? Um, yes? Okay. Yes? You have. Okay, I'm going to ask you for some feminism that you've been doing, but the people who shouted out then, I reckon, have got really good ones. So, I'm going to ask you to hold back a bit. Um, so, has anyone got a lowly act of feminism that they'd like to share? Yes? What's your lowly one? Didn't shave your armpits for two weeks? Come on! What happened at the two-week mark that made you cave? A child's birthday party. What, you thought they'd be frightened? You thought they'd think it was a Muppet? What, what was the... Oh, you thought a two-year-old might go, what's that? Yeah, because they're not used to... Well, two-year-olds will do that to you because they are used to patriarchal beauty norms. And they will look... But this is your job, is to be the other. So you go, well, some women have hair under their arms. Um, Some women choose to shave it off. This is where the education begins. So I'm going to challenge you to go to the next children's birthday party as hairy as possible. Um, I'm not going to do it. I... I... I personally leave that to really young feminists. Like, I always think, like, when Sophie Duker comes in and she does that and she's got... I think, oh, my God, it looks like a political statement. But if I do it, people just think, oh, she's let herself go. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, I just think you really have to be in your 20s and diet green or something like that. It's like, yeah, fuck the patriarchy shaved into your hair. Whereas for me, people just look like, "Mm, she's given up. She's withdrawn from the race, I think. Um... I am, I'm Generation X, and we've, we've shaved forever, and I'd love to say I was giving it up. I might give it up for Lent one year. <laughs> um, sometimes in the winter, I can't be asked because no one can see it, and I just think, oh, what does it really matter? Oh, although I will say this, I'm a feminist, but one time I forgot to shave under my arms, and then I went to a feminist event, and I thought, oh, I'm going to do this because people are going to think I'm a better feminist than I am. <laughs> Any other acts of feminism? Yes? You've been organising bike protests for mums who cycle to, to get better infrastructure across the UK. Far too good an act of feminism. We can't go from I shaved my armpits so as not to frighten a toddler to change the infrastructure across the UK with cardio. That feels right out of our league. Well done for doing it. Don't get me wrong. But you've misunderstood the assignment entirely. Um, what, tell us, just quickly, tell us about it, though, because I do want to hear. Critical masses. Lots of people turn up on bikes. I'm saying this for the podcast, so I'll say it went here. So you're demonstrating to the council that they need better cycle lanes? 
You, so you use them in earnest to demonstrate that they're poor. But when you say balance bikes, aren't all bikes balance bikes? Isn't that what a bike is? Otherwise, it's just a tricycle, isn't it? If you're free on the 15th of May... Eleven thirty to Palmer Park, Reading. Um, it's very cute. Come along. Come along. Um, because what's your name? Sorry, I'm Kat, and they're called Kidical Masses, and I'm really sorry. They're calling critical. <laughs> critical Mass, so critical mass for the kids. Kidical Mass. Kidical Mass. Kidical Mass, and it's the fifteenth of May, yeah. and it's in where? Palmer Park at eleven thirty. Palmer Park eleven thirty a.m. Does anyone here have a bike, and would you be up for going along to protest the infrastructure? great so you've got more people coming along now very well done but also intimidating (laughs) does anyone have anything worse than that we're looking for something much worse than that yes I um, explained what feminism was to a guy I was dating you explained what feminism was to a man you were dating speaks well of you and poorly of you at the same time doesn't it (laughs) that you were dating a man who had no idea what it was but you did the work, yes, go on. It was like date number three. It was only date number three. You'd got to the point of discussing feminism. You'd got to the point of discussing feminism. That feels like date number one to me. <laughs> <laughs> dates, dates one and two were very alcohol fueled. Dates one and two were alcohol fueled, as is right and proper, Reading. <laughs> Come on now, yeah. You explained it, and then what did he say? He didn't understand it, and you went, let's call it a day. Yeah, I kind of ghosted. You ghosted him? Oh. No, people don't know how to, what to make of that. They're like, ghosting is bad, but also he's not a feminist. Oh, oh, oh. Um, yeah, I think you should say, I am definitely not going to see you again because you're not a feminist. Think on, my friend. Yeah, probably should have done that. Yeah, go back to him now. Text him yeah. now. <laughs> did, did, you, uh, did you meet him on a dating app? Yeah. yeah. Do you, in, the, in your app profile, you can say you're, you're an intersectional feminist? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to ask you why you're not doing that. Are you worried it's going to put people off? Because if you are... Liberal and vegan. And you think that's doing the heavy lifting, do you? <laughs> so if they don't pick it up from that... You put liberal and vegan and you think that intersectional feminist is just going to bomb them out so hard that you're not going to get laid at all. Yeah, on hinge you can put your political leaning. If they say they're conservative, I get rid. If you say they're conservative, you get rid. Okay, so you just, so, so you're looking, okay, you're looking for two fabulous dates and then... At, at the end of two fabulous, quite boozy dates, you'll be like, okay, if we're going to go into the fourth date, I need to know your politics. <laughs> Up until then, as long as you're not actually Jacob rees <laughs> I'm all right. Going forwards, you're going to go first date. Well, that's a commitment. What's your name? Evie. Evie? Yes. Okay, Evie, brilliant. Are there, is there anyone in the audience, and I don't want to imp- impose sexual orientation on you, uh, uh, is are you are you looking for uh, a man? <laughs> <laughs> Evie is looking for a man. Do we have any men in? Just give us a cheer if you're a man. Yeah. Give us a cheer if you're a straight man. Yeah. Give us a cheer if you're a single straight man. <laughs> wow! 
one single straight man in this audience. Come on, there must be. There must be. We won't make you go on a date, just there must be a single straight man in this audience. There must be. Are you telling me every single straight man in this audience has been brought by a woman? That is disappointing. Listen, I'm going to put this out there. Word out. Straight men, if you are looking to meet beautiful, intelligent, active, passionate women, the Guilty Feminist audience is an incredible place to come. If you cannot pull here, you cannot pull in prison. (laughs) That's not right to say, is it? That's a very Guilty Feminist joke. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Yeah, more men should know about this space. (laughs) I take it back, I take it back. Men don't come here to pick up women. That's not right. Come here to learn. Um, Men who are in a... Straight men who are in a partnership. Just give me a cheer. Yes, you're here. Just, Just wave. Yes. So you two men are in the front row. Have you been brought? Because sometimes I find that men say, no, I bought the ticket. And generally they are on a third date. (laughs) That's very true. It's when they're trying to seal that deal, they're like, what date is definitely going to work? I've bought us tickets for the guilty feminist. Right? We're going to go and laugh, but also, how feminist am I? (laughs) Right? Right? But did you buy the tickets or... No, he went, no. Because <laughs> you wouldn't have bought tickets in the front row, would you? I did. Did you? You bought the tickets. How come? Because uh, we'd been listening to the podcast in the car for quite a while. Been listening to the podcast in the car for quite a while. And, it was, uh, and I saw that you were touring nearby to where we lived. And... Saw we were touring nearby. So you got tickets. And was it a surprise? Yes. It was a surprise? Was it a nice surprise? Don't seem as convinced. Don't seem as convinced. What did she say? She doesn't seem as convinced as all that. Okay, yeah. Um, well, that's a lovely thing to do. That's a lovely thing to do, but you did not buy the tickets. Have you? Do you know this podcast? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Are you regretting sitting in the front row now? I, I said to him, don't say anything. I said to him, don't say anything. I said to him, don't say anything. Why? Because you won't come across well. <laughs> she wasn't wrong. <laughs> no, I'm, listen, thank you so much for coming and thank you for listening. Would you call yourself a feminist, sir? Yeah. yeah. He, was, he, was, he was very fast to answer. He's come across well. So you'd be amazed at the number of men who are happy to come and sit in the Guilty Feminist audience when I say, are you a feminist? They go, ah. And I always think, if I was at a men's rights activist conference... And I had snuck in just to see what it was about. I would, A, never sit in the front row, but if I, if I was called upon, if a man on the stage said, are you a real men's rights activist? I would be like, yes, very much. I love men's rights. More men's rights, please. Because I would just not have the confidence to go, not really. I, I just love it when men have that confidence to go, I mean, some of it makes sense. I don't like it when they take it too far. It's like, fascinates me. Absolutely fascinates me. Um, Reading, if you enjoy Graham Norton, if you enjoy Michael McIntyre's Roadshow, if you enjoy Later with Jules Holland, I'm going to need you to imagine those three men were women. (laughs) Then imagine they let women on TV. (laughs) Then imagine those women allowed other women to come and play. And you have got yourself the Guilty Feminist Live Tour Show. We're going to have some comedy. We're going to have some music. We're going to have 
some deep and searing chat on this sofa with some local Reading feminists who are making a difference. Are you ready for these things? Then please put your hands together and make incredible woohooing noises for a comedian who is all over the telly with good reason and we always feel so lucky when she comes to join us on The Guilty Feminist. When I say put your hands together, that's the point where you do that. (laughs) And make incredible woohooing noises for the one, the only, the wonderful Susie Ruffle! This mic stand is longer than I thought it was. And I thought I'd do some sort of hilarious Freddie Mercury thing, and it didn't quite work. That's the truth. Hello! Hello! Oh. That wasn't as vimmy as I'd like it to be, if I'm honest. Hello! Yes, very good. Well done. Well done. Um, so I want to talk to you about a lot of things tonight. I've got a lot of things going on. Uh, my big news is that I've got a wife. I mentioned that before. I've got me one of them wives. Very into that. She's great. Uh, I've also got a baby. I've got a little baby. The people that didn't woo that, you are homophobic. And uh, <laughs> if you're gay, you will have your card revoked out the door. So there's people watching. Uh, people are very interested in how we had a baby. People are very interested how two birds have managed it. Uh, They are, they are. And there's lots of ways that gays can have babies now. You can do IVF, you can do IUI, you can do adoption, you can do surrogacy. We went for witchcraft. (laughs) People know that that's an option, but you should do it. Um, People ask a lot of questions. People I don't know ask me questions, which I don't want to answer. Uh, Me, my wife, the bubba, we were, the bubba's a toddler now, so she was like walking about and we were queuing the other day for bread, okay? Um, That makes it sound like it's 1939 and there was rationing, doesn't it? (laughs) We were in a bakery, okay? Little fam, we were adorable, okay? And the woman behind me was smiling at me in a way to let me know that she was totally fine (laughs) about gay people having kids. Just totally, just a liberal Lucy. Totally fine with it, just... (laughs) (laughs) And eventually she went, your daughter, she's lovely. And I went, thanks, yeah, she's great. We're really, we're really fond of her. Um, (laughs) She went, I hope you don't mind me asking. And I thought, I bet I will. (laughs) I bet you I will. She said, I hope you don't mind me asking, but my friend Philippa is thinking about having a baby on her own. And I thought, Philippa will find that hard. But we did that for a while. And you really do need that other ingredient. You really do. You won't manage it by yourself, Philippa. I don't know how to say this, but there. We tried. We did everything we could. But we did need, we did need other stuff. She said, my friend Philippa, thinking about doing it on her own. Um, and she's thinking about using a sperm bank in Denmark. And your daughter is beautiful. And I was wondering if you... And as she started saying this bit, she realised that she was asking me where we got the sperm. It dawned on her that she was saying, hey, where's the jizz from? It dawned on her. So I thought, just to teach her a little lesson to not ask questions that don't concern you, I thought I'd just give her enough rope to hang herself. So she then just started having sort of a bit of a... A, a crisis, an existential crisis of some sort. <laughs> I mean, you know, I just, I don't mind me asking. 
Park. I was like, do you think I'm Sandy Toxfic? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> and she said, and in the end she just went, where did you get the sperm? And I was so sort of shocked, annoyed, it was also 9.30 in the morning, that I just went, your husband. And now... <laughs> And now we have to go longer to get further, rather to get bread, not longer. I'm tired. I should let you know that. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I'm absolutely shagged. And ironically, that's not how I've got myself in this situation. <laughs> I'm so tired because she, she wakes up a lot. She, she's up and she's, she's super fun. She said, well, let's find out, actually. People in the room that have got children, give me a cheer. <laughs> yeah. Give me a cheer if you haven't got children. <laughs> Okay, well, you can think of this routine as a cautionary tale. I... She's the best thing that ever happened to me. I love her. She's my best mate. I love her. I love her to bits. Um, she's absolutely obsessed, obsessed with things she's not allowed to touch. Obsessed! She's too. All she wants to do is touch things she's not allowed to touch, which means she spends the whole day following the cat around the flat, going, bum bum, no touch. Bum bum, no touch. Bum bum. Not touch. She gets her finger so close to the cat's ring piece. Okay, even the cat's like, ah! like, it's like, bum bum. No, I don't know why she's got a Spanish accent either. And this hasn't been. We didn't. We did. We haven't got her on Spanish mode. I don't know what it is. Bum bum. Not touch. Bum bum. Not touch. The other day, the Sky Man came round. Okay, he was walking around the flat, and she was just following him. Like a toddler, just looking at what he's doing. He crouched down to get into the cupboard where the Sky stuff is, and she just went. Bum bum, no touch. And I mean, it was a very weird scenario for him, sort of having to explain to us that he wasn't trying to touch our cat's ass. It was, it was a weird thing. She also fucking loves the bin. Oh, she loves the bin. She loves the bin. She just she goes over to it. She goes, don't touch the bin. She goes, no, no touch bin. No touching. No touching. No, love bin. No, you don't love bin, you love mama. You love mama. <laughs> the other day she got in from nursery and went, bin, I home. Like, at what point is this a concern? Anyway, the reason I'm telling you about this is that I, I, I'm worried, she wants to get into things she's not allowed to touch. And my mother has made it worse, okay? My mum, who I'm very, very close to, I love my mum to bits. She's like, she's just one of my best friends. She's brilliant. She's got a catchphrase, my mum. Don't know if your mum's got a catchphrase. My mum's got a catchphrase. Let me get it right. <clears throat> oh, don't you look tired? That's <laughs> that's the big one. She's a lot of fun. My mum. She's she is she is a lot of fun. Uh, a little while ago, she went to a wedding. The next morning, she rang me and went, "All right, mum, do you have a nice time?" She went, "Oh, hello, babe." I still got mum. What's up? She went, "Babe, I am well. I am not well, my baby. I have been sick as a dog." I still got mum, what happened? She said, well, I found out something about myself, Suze. I have found out something about myself. I have found out that I am allergic to lime. I said, you what? She went, last night I had 15 vodka, lime and sodas. And do you know what? I think it's that lime. I said, do you? Do you think it's the lime? I burst out laughing. She went, eh, don't you dare put this on stage. I was like, the lime, you say? She's lots of fun. She's lots of fun. But she rang me, okay? She's also completely obsessed with the baby. So's my dad. The first grandchild. The greatest, the greatest thing ever. Okay? She rang me up, woke me, seven in the morning, and went, Suze, I'm just ringing you to say, I reckon that baby is tall enough now to pull the kettle onto her head and kill herself. I was like, oh, good morning. Good morning. So now I'm worried about that. 
Then she was like, then a couple of days later, she was like, I'm really worried she's going to climb in the oven. Okay, thanks, Mum. So now what I've had to do is I've bought her a cage. It's a pen. It's a pen. I've got a pen for the baby. The baby lives in a pen. Well, she doesn't live in the pen. I put her in the pen. I occasionally put her in the pen when, I've, when I'm like, cooking or something like that, but she fucking hates the pen. She absolutely hates the pen. I put her in the pen. She hates the pen. I put the cat in the pen. I'm like, touch its ass. Now I'm worried about you pulling the kettle on yourself. I put the sky man in the pen. I'm like, sorry, mate, you live here now. Get in. Take the gruffalo with you. I put me in the pen. I put my wife in the pen. She hates the pen. Absolutely hates the pen. The reason I am telling you this is that when I left for this show tonight, the only thing that's in the fucking pen is the bin and now she can't wait to get in there <laughs> she's the best best thing that's ever happened to me we thought about we, we wondered how to have a baby we were thinking about how we were going to do it and we were, we, we were wondering because as i mentioned before you know we were missing one key ingredient okay because we got wombs oh we got wombs for days in fact we got a womb with a view of another womb if we face each other uh little gag for the readers but we uh, we haven't got we haven't got any sperm we haven't got any sperm and I said this to one of the girls in my friendship group most of my best friends that are men are male stand up comedians right and I said to one of the girls you know what, 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 how shall I get some sperm she said ask one of the boys <laughs> I don't want a baby that keeps observing things also how am I going to slip that into conversation after a gig alright mate I'm having a bit on breadsticks any heart disease in the family jizz into that I think I think it could create a weird vibe. So I thought, right, okay, well, I'll go to the doctor and find out, like, you know. Because we were tossing up, and I chose that word, between IVF and adoption. So I thought, we'll go and find out if this one's a fertile murder. So I went to the doctor and said, hello, I'd like a baby, please. I've got a womb with a view of another womb, if we face each other. But we haven't got any sperm. And the doctor said, if you carry on talking like that, I won't treat you. And I said, that is fair enough. Fair enough. And then, uh, and then the doctor said, right, before we do any of that, we're going to have to do your routine smear test. Now... I wondered initially about talking about smear tests on stage. I mean, certainly not in front of this crowd, but in general, like, you know, because I don't want people to feel uncomfortable. But then I thought, you know what? I've seen male comedians. This isn't me slagging them off. Do very, very funny material. But talk about their dicks for around an hour. And afterwards, audiences will go, do you know what that one? He's a real thinker. So I'm just... I'm just trying to readdress the balance. So I'm going to talk about going through a smear, but please don't worry, the whole routine lasts about three minutes and it is much easier if you relax. Okay. I'll set the scene. You're in stirrups. So it's like you've been riding a horse and then the horse has fucked off. And you've toppled over and ended up in the back room of an NHS hospital. Then what's happened every time I've been for a smear and I'd never something they're rolling out just for me. But every time I've been for a smear, what seems to happen is the doctor will come over and they go, Hi, Miss Ruffle, thanks so much for coming in. It's really important you keep updating your smear test. Now, if this is a problem, you can absolutely say no. You can totally say no. It's not a big deal. But would it be all right? We have some trainee doctors in today. Could they all come in? And you want to go, No, no, there's a horse on the loose. Could they go and get that? <laughs> but you love the NHS. So you go, Yes, of course, it's absolutely fine. <laughs> Now, I need to let you know something. People are in the room that haven't been to a smear, I need to let you know something. When you're having your smear, you feel a little bit silly. <laughs> you feel a little bit silly, and I'll tell you for why. T-shirt, nothing. Little pair of socks. Little bit silly. <laughs> you feel a little bit like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> the doctor's back. She says, Miss Ruffle, would it be okay? If one of the trainee doctors did just smear, 
You're like, ah, yeah. I mean, I, I would prefer it if someone's had a crack at it before, if I'm honest. <laughs> I would prefer that, but you love the NHS. I love the NHS. So you've got to go, yes, of course, no problems. That's what you find. They've all got to learn, haven't they? <laughs> and then what happened is the trainee doctor came at me like this. She says, oh, fuck. The doctor's back. The doctor's back. She says, Miss Ruffle, would it be okay if one of the other trainee doctors did your pay... Oh, this is going to be embarrassingly... It's the hinge bit. Pardon? The hinge bit. It's that yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's feminism. <laughs> Appreciate that, thanks. Right. Um, the... Uh, the doctor came back and she went, could, could one of the other trainee doctors do your paperwork? I was like, yeah, one's on a chuff, then fill out a form, carry on. <laughs> carry on. So she comes in and she goes, right, you're Susie Ruffle? Yeah, that's me. 18th of the 1st, 1986? Uh-huh. Okay, first question. What are you using as contraception? <laughs> <laughs> Undercut on the Dot Martens, not enough? What would you need? <laughs> I said, I'm not using contraception. She went, oh... Well, if you're sexually active, you do need to be using contraception. <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> I don't, I don't. She said, no, you do, you do. Because even if you're using, you know, the old-fashioned technique or, you know, the Catholic technique, <laughs> it's like, nothing about what I'm doing, it's Catholic. <laughs> she says, you should be very careful, you could have a baby tomorrow. I mean, I think it'll take nine months. I mean, I've got four GCSEs. You're nearly a doctor. You should know that. She wasn't picking up what I was putting down. And what I was putting down was a K.D. Lang album. So eventually... Eventually, I just had to come out. Now, of course, there'll be people in the room that, 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 that are queer. Uh, you know what this is like. Sometimes you have to come out in situations where you didn't know you were coming out that day. You hadn't put it in your diary. So I had to say, I'm a gay lady. I'm a lady that's gay. I'm a glady. And the one that was down here, oh, the one that was down here doing the jiggery pokery, which I think is the official term. Just... <laughs> I saw a gay lady and she popped up like I'd birthed her. So, whoa, she is a lot older than I thought she'd be, but we are very proud she's a doctor. <laughs> I saw a gay lady and she popped up and went, oh, right, that makes sense. Snug. <laughs> now. <laughs> a medical term, is it? Snug? <laughs> what a weird word to use. Is that been written on my record? Snug? Because it sounds like she's looking down there and she can see the back end of a Tudor pub. Just... <laughs> is that a snug? <laughs> Reading, I laughed so hard the speculum across the room. <laughs> <sighs> My dad hates that bit. <laughs> Every 
time he sees me do it, he goes, you have to keep on talking about your Jack and Danny, which is Cockney rhyming slang for Fanny. So if you didn't enjoy my set, you've learnt something. Um, it's always a real privilege to do these gigs that, um, that Deborah puts on. And also, I think Deborah has created something really amazing. And, uh, and it's just brilliant to be part of it, to be honest. I'll leave you with this. Um, my, uh, I mentioned my dad. He's a geezer. He's a proper bloke, my dad. He's a proper fucking geezer. No, geezer, geezer. Kind of man that can only write in capital letters. You know one of those? Means no matter what he writes, it looks aggressive. You know, it's like, happy birthday, love dad! You know. In crayon. That's dad, right? He's a geezer, but you know, he, he, he tries. He tries to get things right. He sometimes gets things wrong, but he tries, and I think that's what matters. A little while ago, he rang me, he went, Hello, baby, I need to talk to you. I went, all right, Dad, what's up? He went, here, listen, baby, I've got to ask you a very serious question, right? It's really, really serious, and you need to know whatever the answer is. I love you to bits, I love you to bits, but I need the truth. I said, Dad, whatever it is, I tell you the truth, not a problem. He goes, all right, and baby, I love you to bits, you tell me the truth. Here, do you want to be a boy? I was like, oh, no, Dad, I'm just a gay girl with short hair. And he went, oh, all right, then. Here's your mum. <laughs> Passed the phone to my mum. I went, we've watched a documentary. So, they've watched something queer. It's confused them. Which one is she? I don't know. Give her a ring. Ah, it's adorable. Uh, You've got an awesome night ahead of you. My name's Susie Ruffle. Maybe I'll see you another time. Cheers. Good night. show so far Woo! excellent um, so I just need to ask a question um, who thinks they've got a feminist job yes what, what's your job you work for a bloody good period and are you local in Reading excellent is there anything we can do for you Okay. So you need tampons, you need moon cups. We need money that we can turn She is not interested in your old tampons. <laughs> what I heard is if you've got a little stash up the back where you think, oh, I don't use those anymore, I've gone over to the moon cups. Do you know what she doesn't want? Those. What she does want, cash. <laughs> so if you're sitting here thinking, I've, oh, I don't really think I've got, doesn't she wants your money? Some people can't afford any kind of sanitary products and they won't. Anyone else? Who else has got a, 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 um, a job? Yeah. Anyone got a job, Reading? Yes, excellent. Woo! Uh, I work for the Balance Menopause app. The Balance Menopause app? Tell us more. Okay. Okay. Just to repeat this for the podcast, uh, it's bloody difficult for women to get their menopausal symptoms diagnosed. This app, it, it just gives a cheer if you found this. If you're perimenopausal, there's no way doctors can know, they've told me. They've just said you might be, but that doesn't show up on any of our scans or tests. We can only tell if you're menopausal. Um, so you're saying, not that I'm implying I'm anywhere near menopausal, just to be very clear. 
And if that's what you were thinking, sir, rude. Um, but this app, what's the app called? Balance. Balance. But you say it in a French way, like Celia AB, which sounds much, much sexier and cooler. You've made menopause sound sexy. Balance, get a balance, balance app for menopause. Uh, you've made it sound like I should be smoking a Galwa cigarette in a black polo neck as my period shrivels up and dies. Um, anyone, else got a, anyone else got a feminist job? Yes. No, you're not. You're not. You're doing brilliantly. Don't, please don't be. Please don't apologise before the feminism. It undermines it. You're doing great. Go on. Oh. You work with men. Say this again. You work with men to stop them hurting women again along the line. Do you rehabilitate them? Circles UK. You work with dangerous men who harm women. Harming. No more victims. Your mission statement is no more victims. Okay. Um, so you actually work to rehabilitate dangerous men. And does it work? It does. And I've got lots of evidence to prove it. And we've been working for 20 years now. And we do it to protect women and children. And we say a big part of this picture is we work with the men who harm. And part of the picture is to protect those who are vulnerable. And this organisation for everybody here is based in Reading. It's based in Reading. Okay, so I haven't asked this question for no reason. Um, we've lost a guest this evening, and I was looking for a Reading feminist to come and talk to us on stage in the second half. Would you be interested in coming and telling us more about that? Don't be sorry. Why are you being sorry? Okay, so you want to bring your daughter with you? Great. Okay, and what? <laughs> Your daughter's saying she doesn't want to do that. She's saying... Okay, not this has turned it to Jerry Springer now. Are you, you're, you're now claiming that there's been one too many Proseccos for guesting? Is that what you're saying? On your behalf or her behalf or both? You've. I don't know, it's taken a turn, gang. Okay. All right. We're going to come back and we'll let you know. But definitely, I would like you to have more platform tonight because I am interested. And look, you've got the whole first half to sober up. It's ages before this section comes up. Just long enough to ruin the show for you, if I'm completely honest. Um, okay. So, what's your name? Leah, and your daughter's name is? Okay, hold on, hold on. You'll have more time. Definitely you're going to have more time. So you don't need to shout now, Leah, because you're going to have a mic, and that would be much better. So Leah, and what's your daughter's name? 
Leah and Ellen. Okay, Leah and Ellen. How do I remember that? Leah like the one out of Back to the Future and Ellen like DeGeneres. Okay. Or like Star Wars. Yes, Princess Leah and Ellen DeGeneres. How much more feminist could we get, gang? All right, well, we're definitely going to come back to you in one way or another. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, Guilty Feminists. This is Deborah. Our tour concludes. If you haven't come to the live show yet, you can come out where we are in Newcastle on the 16th of June, Manchester in the 17th of June. Both of those shows have Alison Spittal, Kima Bob and Sally Ray B and Grace Petrie doing music in Glasgow. We're on the, on the 18th of June. We are there with extra special guest Josie Long as well. This all builds up to our seventh birthday show at the Hammersmith Apollo on the 1st of October. Then we'll be in Australia and New Zealand. And by we, I do mean Grace Petrie and me, Cal Wilson, Celia Picola, Steph Tisdale, and more. We are going to be in Adelaide, in Perth, in Canberra, two shows, Melbourne, Christchurch, Auckland, Wellington, and Sydney. Get your tickets now. And we've just added a date in Belfast. We haven't forgotten you. 14th of October at Ulster Hall. Tickets are now on sale for Kima Bob's Fock It Up Comedy Club at 21 Soho in London every Sunday from the 19th of June. That will be a live podcast recording from the House of the Guilty Feminist as well as an incredible live show. If you'd like to get your confidence up, sign up for the Big Speeches Workshop on the 26th of June online with Jess Regan and join our Patreon to get ad-free episodes monthly Zoom hangouts with me and more. If you'd like to do the podcast a favor, if you could subscribe or follow, rate and review and give it five stars, that will help other people find the podcast. For details about these and to book tickets for everything, go to guiltyfeminist.com. And now back to the podcast. Hello, Reading. Are you ready for the second half of the Guilty Feminist? Then please welcome to the stage, Deborah Francis White. guests for the second half. This has only happened twice before in the history of the Guilty Feminists, so you're at a night. <laughs> Just to be clear. Happened once in Manchester when we found a teacher in the audience who taught A-level feminism, and she came out and taught us A-level feminism. Happened once in San Francisco. Um, the head of Planned Parenthood was meant to come along. Planned Parenthood was, I mean, now it's very, very, very relevant um, in America, and, but she had a family emergency, and we got an incredible woman out of the audience that was in... Um, uh, modern day uh, enslavement where women were, were in slavery in houses and she would get them out safely when they were ready to come in a way that wouldn't endanger other women and so tonight 
Um, so, Leia, are you still in? You, you've come back. Because I thought you might have run in fear. <laughs> How are you feeling about coming out and telling us about uh, that? You don't have to come out, not right now. But how do you feel about coming out? Are you feeling up to it? I'm so, so sorry. And one shouldn't apologise in the guilty memories. But the message I have to give is so important. Yeah. I'd like to give it at a night when I haven't, haven't had some glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, thank you, Leia. We'll get you back when you haven't had Prosecco. Okay, I'm gonna, this is an appeal to everyone here. Is there anyone here who's not drunk? <laughs> I, this, is, this is where we're at now. This is where we're at. Does anyone have a feminist job and isn't drunk? And let's just and throw... Let's, we'll do it like an auction. Just because you say what your job is doesn't mean you have to be a guest. But it will encourage others. So, um, and we'll find the right people. Uh, so, yes, what's your job? No, no, you're, it's, it's, you'd be very good in a police state there, wouldn't you? It's her. We've got one here. Um, what's your job? She founded a baby bank. That doesn't sound as feminist as all that. Is that where you deposit your baby and pick it up later when it's grown with interest? Or where I can withdraw a baby if I haven't had the forethought to have one? What's a baby bank? Um, so we work a bit like a food bank. Sorry. It's like a food bank. So it's like a food bank, but if you have a baby and you need baby essentials, so instead of tinned goods and bread and those kinds of things, it's nappies and basket. Okay, so everything from birth to 16. It's extending the definition of a baby there, right, right up until somebody who's legally sexually active, in fact. Okay, okay so... So it's a baby, child, teen bank. So you extended it. You started it for babies, and then you discovered those babies were growing up, and you couldn't. You couldn't say sorry. You too now. Fuck off. Uh, you started to extend it. Okay, great. All right, super. And we can also have various guests. We can have a panel. Yes, go on. Go on. Basically, our branch of the Women's Equality Party. Um, super. Okay. And uh, what? What? Because the, the WP has been doing very well, hasn't it? Yeah, we just. Uh, I stood in the local elections for the first time. We got our results a couple of days ago. I got Okay, great. Um, all right. So uh, that's very, very interesting. All right. Anybody else want to throw their hat into the ring? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me more. Uh, I help upskill people in the NHS, which is mostly women. You help upskill people in the NHS, which is mostly women. Okay. And by upskill, you mean you work on their qualifications so they can do more things? Yeah. Okay, great. All right. Um, so uh, if you would like to be... Anyone else before I go on? Yeah. Okay, great. I'm an 
An anti-natal teacher and a doula. Okay, all right. I don't, wanna, I don't want you to... I can feel people like going, oh, I want to hear that, or I want to hear that, I want to hear that. But I don't want to cheer... Like, in a normal comedy situation, you go, just give us a cheer for the doula! And that doesn't feel right, does it? It's like, just give us a cheer if you don't give a fuck about baby banks! Like, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right to do it that way. Um, so I think we should have, like, a little panel where we have... People who... Do you see what I mean? I feel like we should have a little panel. Um, and I'm trying to put a good panel together from those people. Um, so can we just remind... You, sir, what's your name? Nathan. Nathan. Nathan, I imagine you are uh, a man who enjoys being right. <laughs> Am I correct? Yeah, that is not true. Yeah, that, and your wife is endorsing that and saying he really loves being right. Okay, so Nathan... Yeah. She's not my wife yet. Yet. Have you, are you about to propose here, live at the Gospel Fest? Because that's all the other guests are over now. It's just, you can be the guest if you're going to propose live on stage because we've not had that yet. So, um, so Nathan, uh, can you remember the people that we've heard from? So this is like the generation game, but for feminism. Uh, so there was the baby bank. Baby bank. You're not sure what a doula is, sir? Okay. <laughs> People are going to turn. Uh, a doula is, is like a midwife. It's a sort of midwife. Okay. Is that an uninclusive? It's someone who empowers the woman. It's not medical. Okay. It's sort of like a coach. Okay. A cheerleady type coach who goes, <laughs> you can do it. Is there as a sort of engagement, spiritual... That kind of thing. But you're not going to say, oh, you're four centimetres dilated. You're going to say, in mentally, you're four centimetres dilated. Is that right? I think we should have the doula because we don't know what a doula is, clearly. Okay, what's your name? Serena. Serena. Okay, Serena. Um, what, who else can you remember? You've been using that moment to try and remember. Well, I can remember more than that, Nathan. <laughs> WEP, Basingstoke. Yes, the Women's Equality Party. Yes. yes, I've already said that one now. So you, <laughs> you, don't, you, you can't be right by saying it again, I'm afraid. That's... <laughs> to be fair, I was just disappointed in the Lib Dems. To be fair, you were disappointed in the Lib Dems. Yeah, nobody wants to hear that, Nathan. It's an unpopular opinion in this room, Nathan. Back away from it. Um, so, WEP, doula, bloody good period. Oh, the menopause app. Mm. And uh, was there anyone else? What was that? Oh, NHS upskiller. Yes, absolutely. Okay, all right. So, what we could do, just trying to put this show together, imagine I'm backstage now going, here are our options, could put this together. What I think could be interesting is... If we put together menopause with doulas, because they're both sort of, do you know what I mean, different parts of someone's life, and we could put in there uh, an NHS upskiller, but also um, WP Paisingstoke, you're on our noisy and annoying group, aren't you? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I owe you. <laughs> 
Um, so why don't we say we're going to make this a sort of really full, lovely episode? Um, would sorry, what was your name? Who does the menopause app? Gail. Okay. Um, Gail, are you interested in telling us about it? Yeah. Okay, great. And uh, the ladies is the doula. What's your name? Serena. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. People have remembered. Um, <laughs> uh, WP. Stacy, of course. I know you from the WhatsApp group. Um, and NHS Upskill? Kirsty. Kirsty. I keep wanting to say Upskirt, and that's not right. <laughs> um, definitely not right. Okay. So, do you think if we got... This is too many. And to, if Tom were here, be going, Deborah, it's too many. Why have you done too many? And the answer is because I cannot choose. And it's been difficult enough. Okay, Tom, wherever you are. I know you're listening to this because you're editing it. It's, it's been difficult enough. So what I might do, because they're all of a sort of theme, doula, NHS, and menopause. Birth to menopause, yes, absolutely. And we'll have you three, and then we'll have Stacey come out. You know, sometimes we do like a charity of the week spot. Okay, so after Felicity set, while Felicity and I are larking around on the sofa, if your name is <clears throat> Serena... Or Gail, or Kirsty, or Stacy, and you're one of the people I've spoken to, not just if you happen to be called Gail. Don't think, oh, well, I'm also called Gail, I need to go to the foyer. That's a misunderstand, that's a misreading of what I've just said. If you're one of those people, go to the foyer. Stuart, our uh, tour manager, will come and meet you there and bring you backstage. Okay? Are you happy? Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Is everybody happy or is anybody unhappy? Okay, great. Um, this is going to be a really exciting episode because we really are here, here from local Reading feminists uh, who are doing something in your community and if there'll, be, there'll be definitely someone here you can get behind and connect with. Um, but before that, would you like to see some incredible stand-up comedy? <laughs> She's a Guilty Feminist regular. She's a Guilty Feminist favourite. Wherever I go in the country, people always say, are you bringing this comedian? And today... I genuinely am. Put your hands together and make incredible woohooing noises for the wonderful Felicity Ward. I've never worn sunglasses on stage, so I feel pretty cool. Except for the fact that I'm short-sighted and these are not prescription. So I cannot see your faces. Anyway, I'll just take them off. Um, hi, how you going? Wasn't that a lot of mid-show admin? I was like, they're like, all right, get ready. I'm like, and they're like, this sounds like audience interact. Oh, we're booking the show. Okay, okay. Put my flats back on. Um, it is so nice to be here. I absolutely love a guilty feminist audience. I a, can't even say the word. I'm so excited. A guilty feminist audience. It's an accent I have. Um, I'm a little bit exotic. I uh, thank. <laughs> Did someone hurt you? <laughs> Were they Australian? <laughs> Probably. If not physically, definitely emotionally. We will crush you. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, look, I uh, don't know why I'm walking like this. Uh, the good people of the podcast will have no idea what I'm talking about. So this one is not for them. Um, something for the room, you know? Something for the room. 
so I've done this podcast so many times. I always do uh, material, um, for recent material. I have run out of recent material. So now I am doing my next three shows. Or just for whenever I come on, it will just be new stuff. That, and I don't know if I've done any... I don't know what I'm talking about. I had a baby and I now have damage to my brain. <laughs> I, I do. I don't know... Um, you know the phrase baby brain? Before I had a kid, I thought, like, I'm a feminist, but uh, before I had a kid, I thought that my friends used the phrase baby brain to cover up for the fact that they were dumb. <laughs> dumb and very forgetful. And then I had a baby and I read about it. And you can actually lose up to 20% of your grey matter for two years. Now, that is not baby brain, that is brain damage. <laughs> That is damage to your brain. I have forgotten everything. I couldn't remember the word cemetery the other day and I called it a death garden. (laughs) I'm not right, but I'm not wrong. You know what I mean? I couldn't think of roof. I'm like, you know, the hat for your house. The hat for your house. I've been um, experimenting with higher necklines. I know you were going to ask. And um, because I feel like I'm getting to the last of my cleavage years. And uh, no, it's all right. Stop. Shut up. No, like obviously someone finds like my rack sexy now. I'm an H cup, obviously. Like that's that's maths, you know. Um, But I feel like I'm about five years away from being called brave. And I can't, I can't be having brave. Like, when I walk past a building site now, I know how to handle myself. They whistle, I'm like, eh, yuck, secretly, yes. <laughs> what I can't handle is walking past a building site and have one of them yell out, good for you, actually. <laughs> At your age, good for you. <laughs> I don't want builders to be allies, you know. <laughs> it upsets the balance of nature, I think. Because I'm at a weird age, I'm like, I'm nearly, I'm not quite, but I'm nearly old. I'm on the cusp of being pitied. I'm like, I'm too old for the club, but too young for aquarobics. (laughs) I'm at a very specific age that you click over. Is it um, uh, lovely here? Um, What's your name? Lucy, um, Lucy, if you don't mind me asking, and I hope this isn't a slur, I'm an older person, so I don't always get my language right. Would you identify as young? Is that a slur? I don't know. Um, how, how old are you, Lucy? 28. 28. Yeah, that's pretty young. Okay. And Lucy, do you like live music? Yeah. Who would be, who's your, like, dream band to see live? A lot of pressure, I know. Do not fuck this up for me, Lucy. I've got a lot of people watching, yeah? Is it? No, I'm joking. You can say anyone. You can literally say. You could make up a name and I go, sick. Tame Impala. So on the cards, could happen this summer, right? They're coming over. You picked an Australian band too. You're flirting with me, Lucy. <laughs> So I love live music too, right? I would die for live music. What? Was I in an all-girl grunge band in the 90s? Yes, we don't have time to talk about it now. (laughs) So I love live music. What were we called? We were called Bastion. Lucy, the questions are getting intrusive. I've got to move on with the jokes, yeah? So I love live music. What's Bastion? Bastion's the little boy that read in the never-ending story. I get it. We're original. (laughs) Ah, Shut up. 
So I love live music, would die for live music, but I have reached an age now, and it's probably about seven years off for you. It hasn't hit you yet. I will still go and see my favourite band. Of course I will go and see them live. Of course I will. But I have reached an age now where I will leave in the encore before their big hit to beat the traffic in the car park. (laughs) It's a very specific age. Um... These people are going to leave in 10 minutes. <laughs> They're like, the show's running over. I've got a babysitter. I don't have time for this. <laughs> Woo! Babysitters! <laughs> Do you have kids or are you a babysitter? <laughs> You're going to go in five minutes. Well, I better hurry the fuck up and make you laugh. <laughs> So I just had a kid um, three years ago and um, uh, my, my little fella is at home, not by himself, obviously. <laughs> He's got the iPad. Um, or mum, as he started calling it. And uh, like many people, I got fat while I was pregnant, pretty standard. I stayed fat after birth, controversial. I got fatter in lockdown. I'm an inspiration. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm not like, I'm not super fat, but I am heaps fatter than I used to be. I have been a size six my entire life, and now I'm a size 14. Now, that is not obese, but what I would say now is I could be realistically cast in a movie as a bus driver. (laughs) Like, when I was a size six, if they saw me, they'd go, fucking actors. Now, if they saw me in a movie, they'd go, yeah, she looks like she's got a heavy vehicle licence. And I absolutely love it. I love it. I love it. You know why? Because I've been cold since 1997. (laughs) Do you know what a privilege it is to sweat in winter? I love it. And from the front, I've still got my hourglass figure, just more from the side. Bit of an egg timer, yeah? Just a bit of an egg timer. Always wear my bike pants safety first. I'm a dynamic performer. I don't want to hold myself back. Um... I want to be able to do this. And uh, what? Did I do Jazz Ballet 93? Come on. <laughs> Peninsula School of Dance. That hurt. And um, <laughs> very lopsided now. We'll have to massage the hip. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah. So, so I love that I've put on um, lots and lots of weight. Uh, this little fella, my, my post-baby gut, I think of it as... You know when um, you get a really expensive present, but you keep the box just in case you want to send it back? (laughs) That's what this guy is. That's what this guy is. I'm sure people do that. I've never, I've never had like a belly before. The amount of time over the last two and a half years, I've just gone yummy, 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 yummy. (laughs) Does anyone else do that with their belly? Like yummy, yummy, yummy. I do get a lot more front wedgies, though, now. I did not know that they were synonymous. Not a joke, just a little inside information for you. I, uh, I, have, I have loved being um, uh, this weight. Yeah, there's only three times that I've been um, sad, and uh, you go get that babysitter, baby. You do it. You did great. Yeah, get an early night. She was a bitch, wasn't she? No, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> There's only been three times. Oh, I've got a hair in my mouth. Gross. Um, please be mine. And um, uh, 
Um, yeah, three times that I've sort of felt like sad about putting on weight, and the first time, it's quite emotional to talk about, it was while I was pregnant and. Um, Oh, sorry, I haven't talked about this a lot. I got, um, I got too fat for my leggings, and you just think, like, they're the one piece of clothing you think will never betray you, you know? Like, that's what you turn to when you're getting fat. It's the last bastion of weight gain. Well, no, the scarf is probably the last bastion of weight gain. If I get too fat for a scarf, probably then we can have a chat about it. Up until then, absolutely fine. The second time, I wasn't sad, it was just sort of like more of a, a, a surprise. I was on my laptop and it just started glitching. It was just like reading, it's going down and down and down. I'm like, oh no, this is a new computer, I'm going to have to take it back. It wasn't glitching, it was just um, my gut on the touchpad, just rolling down <laughs> by itself. Mind you, there's a bright side to it now. Biscuit, cup of tea, read an article, hands free. <laughs> Oh, Mr. Bit, scroll back up. It doesn't work as well in a floppy dress. The third time wasn't sad or surprising. It was just funny. It was just funny. And it was the first time that my little boy stayed overnight at his grandparents' house. And, um, and we closed the door and I looked at my husband and did what I always used to do when I was a size six. I ran towards him and went, woohoo, ready to jump into his arms. And he went, oh. And then he said the kindest thing. He said, we are both very different weights than we used to be. <laughs> he's a funny fella. When I, was, when I was very grumpy and very, very pregnant and I was like eight and a half week, weeks. I wasn't, imagine being that big at eight and a half weeks. You're like, you got, you're going to have to go to hospital. Um, yeah, I was eight and a half months pregnant. I was really grumpy and I was walking around the house and I was getting sick of it. And he just popped his head into the lounge room and went, the circular wife. <laughs> it's funny. Um, check my set list, yeah. I am very aggressive. It's <laughs> the same one. Um, no, I'm very aggressive about how extraordinary pregnancy is um, uh, because I think that people are very blasé about it. And I used to be blasé about it. I was like, oh, yeah, it's amazing. Wow, yeah, the person, whatever. Um, honestly, there's so many... I judged people so badly before I had kids so badly. I was always like, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, people with uteruses are incredible. And, and But then they'd have a kid and they're like, oh, I haven't had a shower for six days. I'm like, you haven't got five minutes <laughs> have a little shower. I know you've got to, yeah, it's hard. You're very tight. I get it. I've done Edinburgh Fringe Festival. <laughs> but I genuinely thought that I could understand what it was like to have a kid or to be pregnant or what it did to you. And I had no fucking idea. I was clueless. And I, I, when I was pregnant, I was just walking around like angry that everyone wasn't mind blown. The fact that I was just upright, just making someone, are you fucking kidding me? I can take a sperm, put it in there, and make you. What the fuck are you talking about? That is an X-Files plot line. That is insane. I can... Like, imagine reading that as a headline. Woman 
pushes smaller woman from out of her vagina. That should run a week minimum front page. It's extraordinary. I can have a baby, hold my nose, sneeze too hard, and then out it comes. I am fucking amazing. Incredible. And I'm so aggressive about it. I'm concerned that when my son first goes to kindergarten, he's going to come home and with a little painting go, oh, mum, it was my first day. Look what I made. And I'm going to grab him by the scruff of the neck. I'm going to take him to a mirror and go, look what I made. (laughs) How are we going for time? I, we have one minute left. All right. There was a lot of floor time, wasn't there? <laughs> okay, how am I going to finish this? Okay, there... Um, I... We're going back. I, um, I don't have the core strength you saw. I, I have yummy, 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 yum. I um, have a lot, met a lot of different mothers since having a child of my own. I've met the creepy mothers. You know, the mothers that say, here's the love of my life. And I don't need anybody else now that I've got my baby and he's my best friend. You know those mums, they give off like Judy Murray vibes? Well, it turns out I am one of those mothers. I am an absolute creep, mate. I am, I I sniff his head every day. I like gum at his back if he's got his shirt on. I'm like, um, nom, 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 nom. I love him. Why wouldn't I? We have so much in common. We love pressing buttons, waving at strangers, and being chased. He is amazing. <laughs> now I want to get Judy Murray on the line. I'm like, what is your motherfucking secret? Because Andy Murray is a world champion tennis player coach, Olympian, husband, father, and yet Judith Murray is in the tennis box every single match. What is your secret, bitch? Because if I want to have that kind of codependent relationship with my son when he's in his 40s, I've got to start now, yeah? You've got to sow those seeds of dysfunction. They don't happen overnight. If you want enmeshment to grow like the disease that it is, you can't just ask a 25-year-old boy, hey, I've set up a single bed in my bedroom. Why don't you come and sleep back with mum? No, no, no. He's never allowed to leave in the first place. You've got to make it seem normal, yeah? I don't have a punchline for that joke, but it feels... We're just going to leave it there. I've been Felicity Ward. Thank you. My shoe nearly came off. Felicity Ward. Hey, Debs. Hey. Um, Listen. I'm going to. (laughs) Do you know what we're talking about tonight? We're getting... Feminism? Yeah, yes. But also um, some medical stuff uh, that feminists need to know about. Yes. Um, so, for example, here's an example. Um, how much do you know about childbirth? Fucking heaps. Because you've recently given birth to such a child. Because I have, but I was astonished at how little I knew. Before when it, it came out of you. Even while I was pregnant, I just kept going... Like, all I wanted to do was write a book called How Come Nobody Told Me. 
and then I looked it up and someone had already written a book called How Come Nobody Told Me. We get no education and the education that we get is, depending on how old you are, when you were 14, 15, for maybe a term, you put a condom on a banana. It might be different now, I don't know. I was back in the Jurassic period at high school. But it just like just simple things. I didn't, I didn't know, know that you so had a cup holder. I just found that out. That's incredible. You've like got to learn cup. to explore your own couch more. That's a euphemism. It's got a sp- <laughs> it's got a speaker here, so you can play music out of the side of it. It's I so trashy. Know. Is it um, is it Bluetooth or is it? Oh, it is Bluetooth. Can I put on a tune? I mean, by all means, act like you're in the musical Grease. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. I want to do a better song than that. I want to actually tell you... I don't know why I'm doing this. You don't okay. While you're, yeah, do, yeah, while, yeah. You're, while you're doing this, okay. what do you know about menopause? Uh, it's coming to get me. <laughs> yes, that is correct. Why is it called menopause? Can't we have anything? Give me a break, right? <laughs> menopause. I'm just like, dudes, take... The men out of menopause. Surely at the minimum it should be called womenopause. Maybe it's called menopause because it makes you so angry and for a long time and you don't know whether it's actually here or it's going to happen and then it happens and it takes all of your joy away. <laughs> Are you saying men sometimes rob your joy? Sometimes. Men have been known to sometimes rob Felicity Ward's joy slash the joy of other women. Um, tweet that but 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 menses it's true menstruation that's also got men in it it does it's almost like it probably has a root word in latin or greek that means something else i still find it upsetting are there any Um, linguists in are there anyone even anyone smarter than me that knows they're all drunk we've established that um, that doesn't, some of my best work when I was, was when I was drinking. Could anyone, does anyone speak like a little bit of a language, but then you have a few drinks and you're like, I could run for government here, my... Yes. When you yeah. have a few drinks, whatever language you speak, because it's about confidence. Um, I also feel it's desperation. So if I'm... If <laughs> no, I'm, that's our step. <laughs> if, I've bro- if my car's broken down in France, I can suddenly speak French because I have to. Yes. Or if I'm somewhere with someone who doesn't speak any of the language, I suddenly become super fluent and they get really impressed. But it's just that they won't know if I'm making any errors. And so I just boldly go for it. I do remember saying to a man on the highway, my car is sick. My car is sick. Yeah, I said it in French. Oh, I love um, that. I love when I you're trying worried. to put sentences together. Yeah, and I was adorable. Now, <laughs> I'm sure. Is, do you know what the Bluetooth name of this is? Because I may have just connected to someone's phone in the audience. It's possible. Now, it's, what are you saying? It's oh, not plugged in. It's not plugged in. Stuart's oh, saying. Oh, thanks, Stuart. I've just spent 10 goddamn minutes trying to play Usher's Yeah. <laughs> If you could find Usher's Yes, Stuart, and just whenever you're ready, just do, bang do, it in. Do, do. That's what I teach my son to do. I go, do, 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 do. And he look, I point to him, and he thinks I'm saying yaya instead of yaya because he's Greek, half Greek, and so his grandma is yaya. So I go, do, 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 do. And he goes, yaya. And I go, do, 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 do. And he goes, what? It's great. So he thinks Usher's yeah is about his nana. Yeah. About his granny. Yeah. He thinks That's the most adorable thing I've ever heard. He thinks Usher is about to get fed really well for the rest of his life. That's as adorable as me saying, moi, ma, uh, no, uh, it's voiture, not. a man. 
Um, my car is sick. Yeah. Is that what you just said? I mean, I think something like that. It's my car is bad. Something just my went. My car is bad. No. My car is bad. Ma voiture est malade. Est malade. Celia Ex- has left the building, by the way. Je me excuse. Uh, sorry, what was that? Je me, je, je me excuse, monsieur. Uh, uh, <laughs> you would mais, think she would be desperate now, but she does not sound desperate. No, 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 no. Mayday, mayday. <laughs> See, I'm adorable. I'm adorable. Um, now, listen, we've got a French guest coming on. Should we get our guests on? I think yes. we should. Yes. Okay, um, our first guest today is a local Reading doula. Uh, please put your hands together and make incredible wooing noises for Serena. No, more cheering, more cheering. Our more, more. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Serena. So wonderful to meet you. Hi, Serena. Thank you very much. Our second guest today um, is uh, not an NHS upskirter. Uh, I need to stop thinking. I'm seeing other clipboard. Is an NHS upskiller. Please put your hands together and make incredible hook noises for Kirsty. You've got to clap till they get to Ow. the couch. Yes. These are not professional speakers. They've been amazing by helping us. Yeah, you've got to make a fuss of them. They're basically you, but imagine if you now suddenly were there. Um, right? I mean, yeah. Lucy panicked when I asked her her favourite band. <laughs> Imagine if I also said, could you now come up and talk about your industry for 15 minutes? <laughs> that white suit would have a brown stain at the back. <laughs> you know I don't like scatology jokes. Sorry. Now, our third guest today... Uh, how, how do I say has an app in French? Why are you looking at me? I barely speak English. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, it has a. What's that? Thank Ooh, you. Une application um, de menopause. Applaudez s'il vous plaît pour Gail. Hello, Gail. Hello. Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. Um, now, firstly, I do need to say. Um, I just need to send the love of Susan McComa, who was meant to be here with us tonight on the sofa as well, but she is making a film. She's writing and directing her own short film in anticipation of a feature film. So could you just have a big round of applause for Susan McComa to encourage her in this act? Go, Susie! Coming, a director. We do not have enough female directors in this country or this world, much less, and we definitely don't have enough black female directors in this world. Uh, so Susan McComa sends her love and we will send our love back to her. Um, I promise to do that. Now, we need some hardcore information about how things work. In so, the government. So, <laughs> so first things first, um, doula-wise, Serena... Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, we, it is clear that we don't know what a doula is. Do not include me in that conversation. Look, I saw I, you struggle. I, ha- I know what it... Oh, you were talking about we as in the audience. Oh. Yeah, I meant we collectively. Yeah. In society is not clear enough about what doulas do and are. 
Flick, did you have a doula? I did not have a doula. Well, I don't think you really know either then. I right. do. <laughs> I've seen pieces of her. Was it pieces of her where they had a doula? Uh, yes, she did. You she watching well, she an a independent wife? A private midwife, right. No, it's, a, it's like a spokesperson, isn't it? Where you are not like... I'm gathered here today. I don't know what that means. That's not what I mean either. That's a registrar. That's a celebrant for a wedding. Felicity, Um, I cannot believe you've interrupted the doula to explain her job to her by saying, I once saw an independent film and I think you're a marriage celebrant for vaginas. (laughs) That's not... Marriage celebrant for vaginas. What a... Not not so much. Not at all. No. No. Okay. No. Am I mansplaining doulaism to you? Did you say you're married to a Greek? I'm married to a Greek, yes. Yeah. A Cypriot Okay, so Greek. the word doula um, is a Greek word. <gasps> there you go. And it means slave. Oh. oh. <laughs> That's not good. That is no, not no. what I anticipated. It's the no. highest paid slave in the Greek household. Is this in ancient Greece? Ancient Greece. No, this is now. <laughs> this is 2022. Well, we are highly paid. If, if, we, if, if it's a quick birth then it pro rata, it's, it's highly paid. But normally, births, as you well probably know, are quite long. They drag on. <laughs> so they tend to not, not be a, a massive earner. Yeah. I, um, I mean, you would have wanted... I was quick. I was out. Were you? Oh. <laughs> That's very good. How, how long surprised. were you in labour? Uh, well, there's stages to labour. Another thing I did not know. I, there's so it's just you basic didn't have shit. any antenatal. No, I, that's when I learned about it. The diff- oh. I, like I knew there was different stages, but I didn't know there was like labour and then active labour and then the push. It. I'm like, hey, there was so so uh, many stages. Can I tell you the most? This is the most embarrassing thing that I didn't know. Tell there's me. two. Okay, the f- the first one is bad. The second one is so embarrassing. I can't believe I'm even saying. Doulas have seen everything. No, this is really, like, dumb shit. Yeah, have seen it. What? I didn't know that your body makes a placenta oh, for the yeah. baby. Oh, yeah, that's what makes you sick in the beginning. Yeah, I didn't... I thought you just always had a placenta <laughs> just hanging. Oh! Like a liver. Like an appendix or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You thought every woman had a placenta inside of her? yeah. Or every oh, cis, if you have a uterus, every, every, yeah, you probably every got a placenta just like, here when you need me. That's what I thought. <laughs> right. But that makes it even more miraculous that your body goes, hey, having a baby, I'm on it. A bang, 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 umbilical cord, baby, placenta. It's incredible. I know. Okay, this is the dumbest. <laughs> this is like, this is so dumb, you will not respect me. <laughs> I wasn't 100% sure that a uterus and a womb were the same thing. Oh, that's okay. Some people... <laughs> Serena. I am sorry you're not my doula, Serena. No, she oh, is Serene. Does it? No. Oh. Oh. You are Serene. I can see why I would want you in. If I had to push a human being out of the size, out of a hole the size of a tampon, I would want you there. Oh. So, could you please tell us what a doula is, what a doula does, and what what we should know about it as feminists? And what you get paid? No, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> not, not enough. No, it's um, it's a wonderful thing to do. Um, it's um, you you take on board a new couple 
Uh, and it does. It can be a gay couple, or it can be a woman on her own. I've doulaed for um, solo women who have got pregnant by IVF, um, and you are you are with them on the pregnancy journey. So you get hired, uh, you get interviewed, and hopefully hired, and you become like a spokesperson. Yeah, an advocate partly. So, yes, you're right. Yeah, a lot um, of people made fun of me, but and made you, fun you about help, the uterus womb situation. <laughs> you, you help them um, grow with the idea that they can take on this challenge and that they can give it their very best. You help them not be frightened of it. You can um, bring the partner into play so they know their role. You basically are... So you, you are the slave, so you... you you need to know about their house, like where their knicker drawer is. You need to know how to make them a cup of tea, where the toaster is, what they might like as their food. You do a lot of um, prep like that. You might help them with choices of stuff if they want to buy things and get some guidance, just because that's useful for them. But you're on call from around two weeks before their due date, and you can go with them to their antenatal if they have anything where they're worried about. So you can go with them to see if they're told, oh, you're 41, you're too old for what you want to water birth. You can help them set up their appointment with their head of midwifery. And then they will take on board that one woman and they will look at her case history, their case notes. And they might well say, well, we understand that's what you'd like. So let's help you get that. So, so, if you're 41, you're considered to be a geriatric. Yeah. Much younger. Mm. Much younger, you're considered but you, geriatric. But your body may be perfectly capable of birthing the way you'd like in a birth pool. And, um, and so, someone who can help you make that happen. Advocate for you. Yeah, just can go to a meeting or help you understand that if you speak to head of midwifery, they will look at your case individually. It's like being able to check in for a flight ask for an upgrade to first class and jolly well get one. Well, we love that. Yeah. Now you're talking. Yeah. Um, okay, that's very And then we're with them through the labour. Do you think that women and other people who can get pregnant uh, need doulas partly because women are not really listened to enough and, and, pe- and other people with uteruses are not listened to enough? And... That's why we need an advocate because it's like the medical profession is like, ah, when they hear women speak. Mm, yes and no. The, the pathways which are there for women are, are good, but it, it very often feels for the, the user of the service that they're not really listened to. And um, it, it can feel as if a woman doesn't seem to have choices. And one of the common things they say is, oh, am I allowed? Or I wasn't allowed to do this. Or I'm Right. And, and you are allowed to do whatever you like. So that really. sounds more yes than no. Yeah. You are, everything is a choice. Mm. But, but it might not be, have been presented to you as a choice. Or it, someone may have dismissed something. Or it's just a general myth. It's just yeah. a general, general understanding myth. that yeah. you are not a doctor, therefore you don't know what's best. Mm. Right. And sometimes there are more choices open to you than you think. And you need to be able to make an informed decision. So in order to be able to make that decision, if you're offered an induction, for instance, and you'd really rather not have one, you need to be given the choices 
and you need to be told what the outcomes could be if you take. Mm. So we have to be careful that women don't feel coerced and it can, it can be sugar-coated quite nicely. Yes. Okay. So my water broke at three o'clock in the morning, and then but I didn't go. I didn't have any contractions. We went into uh-huh. hospital. They said we're going to book you in for eight a.m. the next day. So th- their their rule of thumb was that if you hadn't gone into labour in the next twenty four hours, that you were going to they were going to induce you. But that should have been just a choice. And, and it is a choice. And I let them book me in. But I then I went into labour twelve hours later. Right. But because I did hypnobirthing, well. We watched some videos online. Um, But it was really helpful to go, right, it's actually 72 hours after. It's not dangerous technically until if your water has broken um, that it's not for another 72 hours before infection could could come into the the uterus or womb, either one. (laughs) (laughs) Same entrance. entrance. Can we bring you in here? Um, uh, this seems like an, a good time to talk to you about upskilling in the NHS mm-hmm. because a lot of times we know women are not listened to. Women and people of minority genders tend to be dismissed. Mm-hmm. Um, not all the time, of course, mm-hmm. but it's a common thread. It's a tre- it can be a trend that you yeah. don't really know what's good for you or you're not going to be heard about this. Yeah. How, what, what are you doing in upskilling to combat that? So the work that I'm involved in and my team is involved in is around all kinds of upskilling. So um, I'm sure there's people in the NHS with us tonight. And um, one way that you can upskill in the NHS is through an apprenticeship. Now, when I started doing this work, my first thought of an apprenticeship was like a Victorian child or a welder or, you know, like... But you can A Victorian do... child becoming a welder. <laughs> it's very specific, but I know what you mean. It was like Oliver Twist. It's like you exactly. go do an apprenticeship as an undertaker or something. Yeah. As yeah. someone who, uh, who's from a country where federation came a lot later than Victorian times, I'm like, hey, that made no sense. I'm like, are they like tradesmen? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so an apprenticeship in Australia would be tend to be like, instead of going to university to do a useless English degree like I did. Ah. Uh, instead, you would go and learn to be an electrician. And yes, yeah. partly at college, partly on the job. Exactly. Whereas a Victorian child in Australia is a young boy from Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> Little geography joke there for yes, you. Not indeed. a good one, but indeed. a joke. And of course, you can do an apprenticeship in the UK in being an electrician or being a mechanic or all of those kind of what? things. But there are apprenticeships in the NHS. I didn't know that. Yeah. So across the NHS, there are about 350 different careers. So that's everyone from a porter to an anaesthetist and everything in between. But can you start out as a porter and do an apprenticeship and become an anaesthetist? In theory, yes. Can you? No. Stop it. Wow. What? So. I'm not sure I want that. (laughs) Uh, Well, you've got to think, there's a lot porters in the UK who weren't porters in their home country. They might be very highly skilled um, from somewhere else. So I do want that. Depends where you're starting from. Yeah. Um, And there's no reason people need to go to a special building to learn it over there when they could learn it here on the job. So as yeah at this point in time you can't become a doctor, you can't do a medical degree as an apprenticeship, but it will be soon. Um, so, wow. and, and there's, of those 350 careers, 100 of them are currently available as an apprenticeship. So nursing, physiotherapy, occupational therapy, um, all the psychological professions outside of psychiatry, all of these things can be done 
as a job that you study. I think, you know what makes more sense now you've said it? Because we just look at the model that we've got and that's what makes us feel safe. But why would going to a building that had nothing to do with a hospital and learning things from books just by rote and then having to go more into a situation that was closer to the job while drinking a lot <laughs> and stealing traffic cones in the evening be better than going into the place where that start doing a job that was adjacent while watching the doctors and learning and still having to remember all of those things but having more of a 360 understanding of what you're remembering why would it be better to do it nowhere near a hospital it makes so much sense now that you say it and of course there is a place for that i'm not arguing that it should be one or the other like that would sounds be... like you are <laughs> well if my boss is listening i definitely am yeah, yeah. <laughs> right okay. um but the advantage of apprenticeships is all of that and also, you know, as we know, there's loads and loads of reasons why people can't go to university in the traditional way. A lot of these apprenticeships are degree apprenticeships. So you come out with the same degree. Wow. Like, it's exactly the same as, you know, if you'd have studied with work placements on the side. Um, but if you have caring responsibilities, if you come from a background where people maybe didn't go to university so much, or you've, there's loads and loads of reasons why this is a better option for people. It's like a lease-to-buy car. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> No, it makes sense to me, because you're, you're there, you're seeing it, you, you're getting some hands-on experience, even if you're not mm. obviously doing it yourself. You're observing, you're in the atmosphere, you also know more if this is what yeah. you ultimately want to do, because I know people who've become doctors and then spent a year in a hospital and gone, I hate this. Mm. I don't like blood. Yeah, and it's, and it's gone from academic to real. So there's something about going where it's happening yeah. and seeing, do I like this environment, can I handle the pressure, while still having to learn all the things. We don't want them just to sort of you know, uh, to, to, to not be fully qualified. Yeah. But in a way, it's an opportunity to become more qualified and more practically qualified. Well, that's what the evidence seems to suggest because the retention in apprenticeship um, graduates, for want of a better word, is really high. And that is not always true with um, clinical roles and non-clinical roles mm. across health. So, yeah. Wow. And do you think learning on the job, learning via an apprenticeship, is more likely to give you the experience you need in like in this instance to listen to women and people of minority genders if they are have by the medical field been dismissed sometimes i would i think it's difficult to make massive generalizations about either side but i i do think that because um one of the key drivers of um, workforce planning in the nhs is to try and have a workforce that reflects the populations it's serving hmm. and if you have lots of people who don't reflect that population then they're not going to understand all the differences or or like you say listen and if you've got a lot of people who you know went to certain types of schools went to certain types of universities and you know have had that kind of experience compared to patients who have different experiences then there's naturally going to be a gap through nobody's fault there's just a gap whereas if you have lived and worked in those kind of worlds and you know a bit more and maybe you know okay people do things in this way over here or this way over there it's more naturally going to be there, I would say. Yeah. So it's a way to recruit more people with the lived experience that will be relatable to a broader section of patients. Yeah. And a lot of those people in apprenticeships, and we have the data on this, um, you know, have a different back, have diverse backgrounds. So by the very mm. fact that you may have lived that yourself or you might have known somebody who has, then, you know, you're more likely to understand it. Because an apprenticeship pays. So you're not yeah. somebody who's necessarily can go off and afford to do a degree. Yeah. 
um, or whose or whose family for whose for who it is normal in your family everyone goes to university you just have to do that and you may well already be working so um, for instance with a job like nursing the one of the roles that leads into nursing is a role called a healthcare support worker there are lots of people in the NHS who are working as healthcare support workers and would love to be nurses but for various reasons haven't tried haven't had the confidence haven't got the skill set yet mm-hmm. you know haven't been encouraged to take that jump or thought that they couldn't. And this gives them an option of, you know, staying in the same employer with the same, often the same team, mm. but getting this on the side and getting that university education with it, um, it's a softer route. That is phenomenal. I'm so happy we've heard about this. So if people are listening, how do they apply for such roles? So the best thing to do is look at it, because, you know, we're going to be hearing from a lot of people, is to look at your local employers, so your local hospitals, your local GP surgeries, local care homes. That's the, like, look on their websites. Um, The big hospitals have careers websites. Often they're really detailed, lots of information. Just go through that local website and see what's available to you. There is also a great um, website called NHS Careers, which has loads of guidance um, in a broad sense that won't necessarily have the... Um, job vacancies, but it will lead to NHS jobs, which does have the vacancies. Amazing. I love this. Gail, menopause. menopause. We need to know everything about it, and we've got about four minutes. <laughs> so you're just going to talk about menopause like a TED talk. No, you don't have to do that. No, tell, tell us about menopause. No, no, thanks for, thanks for the time. It's a very important topic because, as I mentioned earlier on, actually 25% of women suffer very severe symptoms that are very debilitating, but 77% do not realize that these symptoms are related to their hormone deficiency. Mm-hmm. So the menopause, first of all, is not for an old woman thing. Our youngest patient is actually 19 years old. 19? So can you have menopause, menopause at 19? Menopause can be triggered if your ovaries are removed, and it can happen because of a surgical intervention, for example. So we need to think, you know, we need to change this taboo, we need to change the image that we have about the menopause. The menopause affects absolutely everyone in every culture, at every age, every religion, etc. So that's the first thing. The, f- the fact that, it, that the YD uh, Balance app was uh, born, and it's a free, a free app, you can find it on the App Store, um, is because women really are, are suffering and they can't recognize the symptoms, nor their, their GP, because GPs are not trained in the menopause as part of their course, right? So GPs women are, are... Sorry, I missed that. GPs are... Very few GPs are trained in the menopause as part of their education. Very few education. GPs are trained in the menopause, but... Correct. Surely correct. about 51%. half of their patients will at some point in their life get it. Exactly. Deb, exactly. I don't know if you've visited any tube station. But most of them are not equipped for people with prams. Now, you would think, given most of us have been in a pram at one point, <laughs> like, like probably 99.9% of people have been in prams, that they go, oh, we should probably do this. But they're like, I just feel like it's a woman problem. Mm. And so it doesn't get so. And you mentioned it being dismissed earlier on, and again, this is something that a lot of women on the app, we have a community on the app, I know there's a few users there, um, um, uh, talk to us about. You know, they are being dismissed as well, so they, 
because they're not being understood, they're they being referred to secondary care, they're being given antidepressants, which actually have zero impact because the menopause is a hormone deficiency. So they're and given they're, antidepressants, but they've got a hormone deficiency, so the antidepressants don't work. Correct, correct, correct. Oh. So it's, uh, the workplace is hemorrhaging women with talent. Again, we are very passionate about talking about uh, kind of parity of women, especially in top positions, and really getting kind of also employers to think about that and to really understand what is the cause. Why are women leaving the workplace? One in ten women is leaving the workplace because their menopausal the symptoms are not being addressed. Yes, 12% are not going for promotion because they've lost confidence. Because, the, again, the symptoms of the menopause are not just physical, they're psychological. Women are losing confidence, they have brain fog, they cannot think anymore. And, and, and women are just leaving the workplace. So don't leave, don't leave the workplace. <laughs> so Stay don't, with us. And, don't leave um, your job because of the menopause. But we've got an HRT crisis in this country right now, Ria. We can't get HRT in, in, uh, in One part in of quantities. HRT, which is the gel, some other types of HRT are available. So if you guys are suffering and can't get your gel, go to see your GP and ask for a replacement. Patches are available at the moment. So go and see your GP and ask an alternative. We've also published alternatives on the balance-menopause.com website. You can, you know, uh, see what replacements are currently available. But, but it is an issue and we need to do a whole episode of the menopause, really. But I'm interested in... Sap- your, what's your app called? Balance. 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 Um, I thought it was. I just wanted to make sure. I just wanted to hear you say it again, to be honest. Um, Actually, there's two on the App Store. Uh, Make sure you choose Balance. Balance. Menopause. Balance. Menopause. Balance. Menopause. And could I just ask a question? Could you say in French, my car is sick? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 My car is sick. Yeah. It's very important. Uh, ma voiture est très malade. Yay! Okay, so down if you if you're approaching the menopause or you think you might be, download the Balance Menopause app. Balance. And f- put put in any symptoms you've got and start working with that app. Uh, because it is a shock to me that most yeah, GPs yeah. are not trained in the benefit. And you, you can download the health report, yeah? So you download your health report and you bring it to your doctor because uh, it takes seven percent of women more than 10 appointments to get a diagnosis but download that health report from the app take it to your gp and you'll get your diagnosis oh, in 10 good. minutes you're that's like great. a menopause doula yeah. Yeah. i like that brilliant um could we have a huge round of applause uh for serena Because we've won some wonderful prizes. (laughs) Uh, Don't go anywhere. But uh, we did say that we would hear uh, from Stacey from the WEP Basingstoke. Uh, Stacey, are you there? Big round of applause for Stacey. (laughs) Stacey, come out, take the mic. You know what you're doing. So Stacey, give us your elevator pitch for what you're doing and what you need. Oh, hang on. Hello. Uh, Yay, there you go. Um, So most of you here, I imagine, know about the Women's Equality Party, and if you don't, I suggest rather than me wasting your time, you go and listen to some of the amazing podcast episodes where Women's Equality Party people have featured before. Um, But I started the Basingstoke branch in 2019. Shout out, by the way, to uh, WEP Reading, who are also in the house tonight, but didn't shout as loudly as I did, maybe. Um, (laughs) uh, They're an amazing branch. Um, 
we are a proudly inclusive and intersectional branch of the Women's Equality Party. We have campaigns on everything ranging from equality in school sports to ending violence against women and girls to uh, smear testing for disabled women and all kinds of things. And what we need from you desperately are, I guess, in short, three things. We need money. So you heard me, maybe you heard me from the balcony yell about how well I did in the local elections on Friday. I'm really proud of that, thank you. And um, uh, we want to do the same thing next year, except actually win. I think we can, I think we can do that, but we need money to do it. My election campaign that ended uh, just a couple days ago cost us about £800. That doesn't sound like a lot of money. It's not a huge amount of money, but it is a lot of money when you don't have it, which we don't because we don't have a lot of donors and and unions and things behind us. So there's about 400 people in here tonight. If everyone were to give us £2, we would have my next year's election campaign in the bag and it would save us having to waste all the time we would normally spend fundraising. So on our Twitter page, which is at WEP Basingstoke, I'm going to post the bank details. And if anyone wants to wang two quid in the pot, that would be amazing. We need volunteers Um, We need people who are willing to just come out for a couple of hours and and deliver leaflets. It's not, you know, it's not an undoable thing. We're a really friendly, lovely bunch, um, and we'll show you how to work the letterboxes and everything. (laughs) So, and and people that were, you know, feeling like they want to do something and they want to have conversations, and, and, and maybe you're brave enough to come and learn how to canvas. I didn't know how to canvas until... A couple of years ago when Lou from Reading, who's in here tonight, took me out and showed me how, and then I've been doing it. And those conversations on the door are what made the difference and got me more votes than some established parties that have been around for decades. It's really important, and anyone that wants to learn to do it will show you how. Um, If you can't do either of those things, attention online. You know how it works. Um, at Wet Reading and at Wet Basingstoke on Twitter, Facebook, the usual places. I don't know how to work TikTok yet, but I'm going to figure it out. Um, <laughs> if only because my eldest is getting a phone this year, finally, and uh, it adds, frankly. Um, that's about it. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so very much, Stacey. Come join us on the sofa. Um, also, don't forget to give money to Bloody Good Period. And also, what's the name of the baby bank? It's called the Baby Bank Reading. It's just called the Baby Bank, but it is in Reading. Maidenhead and Maidenhead and Windsor. So if you could keep those in mind when you're donating. Um, also, um, I think there's more like a thousand people here tonight. So if they all gave you two quid, you'd get two grand. So uh, please do because we I can think do that. I think some Tory donors give it even more. <laughs> um, that's just my guess. That's just my feeling. I did More than quest- 800 pounds. Yeah, I did Come question on, time dear. with Robert Jenrick. And uh, when I went up to look at it, he, he, was the, he was the Minister of Housing at that time. And when, when I went to look up his uh, Wikipedia page, it was just a litany of scandals where he had been helping Tory donors out with all sorts of backhanders. And, you know, yeah, you can build a high rise in the middle of this primary school. And <laughs> so, you know, we don't, like, it, it, we're not going to break that corruption unless we start doing things a different way. So thank you so much for standing. You can say one last thing. You've spoken about um, girls in sport. So I just wanted to pick that up very, very quickly, that I'm a board member on an organisation called Sea Sporty Be Sporty, which is dedicated to um, closing the gender equality gap in sport. They do wonderful, wonderful things, headed up by a couple of former Olympians, who you would have seen winning medals and all that stuff, and have great resources for schools. So for you and anyone else who's interested in that stuff, please look for Sea Sporty Be Sporty. Numbers, so. Yeah. <laughs> 
Backstage, everyone's going to swap numbers. Everyone's going to help everyone out. I have you enjoyed the show tonight. Your final act is going to have you dancing in the aisles, should you choose to, and uh, be able to put your hands together and make incredible hooing noises for the incredible Grace Petrie. Hasn't it been a time, eh? Are you guys okay? Well, I thought it was time for a sing-along. What do you think about that? Yeah. Oh, I don't think that's very enthusiastic, is it? I said, I think it's time for a sing-along. What do you think, Reading? Amazing. Um, yeah, well, listen. I come to these gigs and, you know, I've got the easy job. I just come on. This is feeding back a little bit. I don't know if you're aware of that. Johnny? Um, I come to these gigs and I've got the easy bit. I just come on and I do my silly little songs. And then I, you know, I stand in the wings and I listen to these incredible stories by people who are fucking changing the world and doing absolutely incredible work. And, uh... Stop, Grace. Well, just, you know. I'm just a comedian. <laughs> they're, they're lying on the sofa. They're rolling around. They're doing incredible work, you know. Uh... And I thought uh, it would be nice to, to sing one out together uh, t- today. Um, I'm sure I, I, I don't have to kind of l- labour the point about what a fucking difficult week it's been to be a woman. Um, uh, obviously, there's a lot of uh, fucking scary stuff happening uh, with Roe v. Wade and stuff. And, um, and then it really does... It get, I, think, I, think, I do think, genuinely, Deborah, I think you've built an incredible thing with the Guilty Feminist and it keeps fucking fuel in my tank and it keeps me going. And if anybody feels the same way, I think give a massive round of applause... I feel very lucky at the incredible talent we have who will come with us wherever we go. We had an embarrassment of riches for guests. There were more people in the audience I would have loved to have got out tonight. Like, it's an incredible resource. So thank you so much. And thank you, can I just say, especially how brave these people are, just to, yeah, I'll come out and talk. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, and... It's always a joy to have Grace Petrie because she will make the audience leave feeling they've had a better time than they have. That's a heck of a fucking... I'll try, it's and, true. I'll try and live up to that. Well, I wrote this song... I was asked to write this song uh, many, many years ago and I was asked to write an anti-fascist song commemorating the 75th anniversary of the Spanish Civil War and this is what I came up with. But for my friends and the folks that come to my gigs, it sort of became like an all-purpose song about what we're trying to do, right? And I think at its heart, what we're trying to do, all of us, in our various ways, with our various different kinds of work, what we're trying to do is we're trying to make a better world for our children than the world we inherited. And as long as we're trying to do that, I genuinely, as dark as things seem to be often, oftentimes, I genuinely think we're going to be okay. Okay. So I'd love it if you would sing this chorus with me. It's very easy. I'm just going to ask you to sing two words, and the words are save tomorrow, and it's going to be three times in the chorus. I'm going to ask you to go like this. Stand up today, and then you go, save tomorrow. Are you with me, Reading? Yeah. Very serious. Yes. Yes. We know our lines. Let's have another go. Stand up today that we might save tomorrow. And it's three of those in the chorus, and what I want you to do is just sing them loudly enough to to fell the patriarchy itself. Is that okay? Oh, I should say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say. This is an incredibly gauche time to say this after all of the really nice, like, incredibly important political speeches, but I've got a gig in Oxford on the 16th of May. (laughs) And it's selling fucking dog shit. So if any of you want to make the trip, I'd really appreciate it. Oh! 
don't think you should and, say and it's selling dog shit. Say, and there's hardly any tickets left. Get them now. I'm not going to lie to these exactly. folks. Exactly. <laughs> you don't know how to do it. Sorry, yeah, that's the... <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's hardly any left we're, by we're them down, now. We're, we're down to our last fucking 180 out of 200, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you better, you better get on that, guys. It's a night out. If you go and see Grace Peach, you're going to feel better about yourself. She's selling out all over the country. If Reading is not selling, I think that's on Reading, not on Grace. The gig's and in Oxford, so it's not really on Reading. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, I'm so sorry, Reading. It's, it's not no, on no, some questions to answer as well, I think. It is still you know. on of course, Listen, I, I regret going down this oh road. Oh my god. Let's sing the song, guys. Ready, Are you with me? Reading, get Oxford out of the ditch. You're not my brother nor my country man, not my sister or my friend. But you're my comrade, be so still the last. They shall not pass, they shall not pass. Our blood is running through the streets of Spain And London grips in fear Oh, smell of gunfire, sound of breaking glass You shall not pass, you shall not pass And why fight the good fight, fight the good fights Why not let them burn I dread the day when the suffering of my fellow is none of my concern. Here we go, so. Stand up today that we might save tomorrow. Oh, I know there's a way that we might save tomorrow. Yes, it's late in the day, but we might save tomorrow if we try. I will not turn against my brother For his creed or for his colour Nor the one he takes his lover Or his class You that beckon me that way You shall not pass And you speak of ideology You speak of people like they're pawns Whose motives lie neath frosted glass You shall not pass, you shall not pass In the name now of humanity Not left nor right, not black nor white Tear that fascist flag now from its mast It shall not pass, it shall not pass And why fight the good fight, fight the good fights Why not let them I dread the day when the suffering of my fellow is none of my concern. So stand up today that we might save tomorrow. I know there's a way that we might save tomorrow. Yes, it's late in the day, but we might save tomorrow if we try. I will not turn against my brother for his creed or for his colour nor the one he takes his lover or his class You that beckon me that way you shall not pass Stand up and speak, it's not a call to us Again on your feet, it's not a call to us Again on the street, it's not
chest running, here we go, loud as you can. Stand up today that we might save tomorrow. Oh, I know there's a way that we might save tomorrow. Yes, it's late in the day, but we might save tomorrow, you and I. We shall not turn against each other for our creed or for our colour. Nor the ones we choose our lovers or our class And those that beckon us That way they shall not pass Thank you so much for singing along You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, stand-up comedy from Felicity Ward and Susie Ruffle, and music from Grace Petrie. The Guilty Feminist theme tune was composed by Mark Hodge and produced by Nick Sheldon. The recording engineer was Chris Sharp. The producer for The Spontaneity Shop was Tom Salinsky. Thanks to Rachel Crawford and Gina DCO, Stuart Arnold, and everyone at the Reading Hexagon, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. Stuart, do I need to get off? He said, yes, please. I need to... They send the patriarchy with me. Um, Just to make sure. No, Stuart's lovely. Stuart's our tour manager. The Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from Acast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.